this practice itself will uh, lead to world peace. I had still this uh, some strong faith in it. So if you just continue it, no matter what happens, good happens or bad happens, it really doesn't matter. Uh, your own practice will uh, really help in some way uh, this world. Hitangsunim, Jidapopsa, began practicing Zen Buddhism at Hwagesa Temple in Seoul, South Korea in 1995. He ordained as a novice monk in the Choge Order in 1996 at Heinsa Temple. He received Bhikkhu precepts, or full ordination, in 2000 from the Kwanam School of Zen and in 2005 from the Choge Order. He has worked and practiced at Hwagesa, Sungsan International Zen Center Musangsa, Providence Zen Center in the United States, and several other Korean Zen monasteries. Hitangsanim received Inca, or permission to teach, from Zen Master Daebong in 2012. He is currently Sunwan Jangsanim, or co-guiding teacher, and vice abbot at Musangsa. You are listening to Sit, Breathe, Bow, a podcast for practitioners. Each week, leading Buddhist teachers share life experiences and insights to help guide your meditation practice as well as your life off of the cushion. I'm your host, Ian Whitemar. This podcast is sponsored by the Kwanam Online Sangha, a virtual Zen practice community of the International Kwanam School of Zen. Members of the Online Sangha meditate together, study with teachers, and participate in workshops and courses to develop their practice. We have launched a study group for people interested in gaining a deeper understanding of the sutras and scriptures most important to the Zen tradition, and listeners of Sit, Breathe, Bow are able to try a month for only $7 by using the promo code SBB when you sign up. To find out more, visit quantumzenonline.org slash studygroup. Were you raised... Buddhist in in South Korea, or were you raised Christian and then became Buddhist, or how did that start? Uh, I had no religion basically uh, while I was growing up. I had actually uh, some experience with this uh, Protestant church when I was at age about I think twelve and thirteen, because uh, one of my closest friends. His father was a minister uh, in a Protestant church. And uh, because also the church was very close to my home, I used to go to meet my friend. And so I think two or three years around that time, I used to go to church. That's the, I think, only experience uh, about religion. Uh, and then uh, I don't remember, uh, at some point I stopped going there. And since then, I basically, I didn't have any religion. And then I met this uh, Zen Buddhist teaching when I was a university student. Uh, so yeah, uh, basically I didn't have any religion. I was not grown up as a Buddhist. My mother... Uh, she goes to Buddhist temple maybe once a year, only for Buddha's birthday. 
as many, uh, I think, Asian local Buddhists used to do uh, in the past. But I didn't have any uh, deep or some um, significant experience with Buddhist uh, teaching before, before I became monk, before I started practicing. Yeah. So was it a class at university or was it um, some sort of group that drew you there or how did it start? Ah, so like uh, every Korean young man, as you may know, uh, we have to go to uh, army as a military army service. So I did the uh, two years after uh, my uh, first two years in university, and then I uh, did my army service and then finished. And then I had about six months uh, break before I returned to uh, school. And then I applied a English class. And then the teacher who uh, came to teach, the English was one of them as the Sun-san's American students who was a monk. <laughs> oh, no <I'm> kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was a monk and then he was American. And then, uh, but he came as an uh, English teacher. So that became the first kind of uh, um, connection for me to meet this Zen Buddhist teaching. So, yeah, that's how I met. So you were taking an English class from a a monk who was serving as an English teacher and something about this monk made you want to explore Buddhism more or did you go with him to practice or how did that, because, well, I just asked because, you know, you have become a monk and you became a monk quite young. Right. And, and so it's quite a decision um, to become a monk. It was, it was. Uh, later, I've, I'm quite sure that he had that uh, some, how can I say, uh, some intention that he wished to uh, share this teaching with uh, more people. But who knows, anyway, he came as an uh, English teacher and then uh, he sometimes mentioned about this Zen Buddhist teaching. And uh, also, definitely, the Korean students were quite inspired or very interested in uh, his, you know, outlooking like a Western monk uh, teaching right. English. So when he was sometimes talk about this Zen practice and uh, Buddhism, uh, I connected, and uh, that was quite a shock actually to me. Uh, because there was very different from what I had been learning in schools. So actually, I myself first asked him to uh, if I can uh, meet him in person. So he was very happy, actually. And then we met uh, another time, uh, not in the class, and then talk about you know, what he's doing as a monk, how he came to Korea to become monk, and uh, he talked a lot about Zemen Sung-san, who is his teacher. And uh, what he talked to me about 
this, you know, teaching about life, about the kind of principle of the universe, all made sense to me. And it was very clear and it was very simple. And that was in 1995 or so? Yeah, 1995. And then you became a monk or you at least maybe a hangzhou or something like that uh, the very next year. Mm. What was very quick, actually, I'm also, I'm (laughs) quite interested in myself too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The American monk, so Mm -hmm. he was actually translating a book uh, about Zemmyo Sun-san. So he was looking for someone who can help the translation. And uh, we started meeting almost every day in the campus to translate it. So uh, soon after that, like maybe, I think, you know, two weeks after we started translation, translating, I decided to become monk because, oh, this is what I was looking for. I mean, uh, so I told him, uh, and then he looked me very happy, and then he helped me to get to Hwagesa, where at that time, Zemmyo Sung-san was teaching and living there. So I went there, and my practice officially, I mean, formally started from that point, 1995. And then because I decided to become a monk, um, I mean, supposed to become Hengja, the apprentice. But the senior monk say in the temple told me, uh, I soon, maybe in two years, I will graduate university, which will be useful in the future. So they suggest me to finish my school. And then if I still wish to become monk, then I can try to become Hengja apprentice. So uh, they uh, also suggest me to move my place near Hwagesa temple. And then I could join practice whenever I have chance. So I did it. So that's how that happened, how I become monk. So I want to go back to something you said, though, where you, you know, you were talking about doing it for about two weeks, and then you said, this is what I was looking for, or this is what I've been looking for. Mm. What did you mean by that? Because even if I was, I was, I think I was a pretty good student. I studied hard, but always like dipping in my mind somewhere. Uh, I used to think this is not all about life. I mean, everybody wants to be happy. Me too, definitely. So what what is the happiness, you know? People usually try to get something in life to make them happy. And that's usually, as we all know so well, about like you know some material things or some good feelings we have all this you know uh, like and dislike so i had that too exactly just the same as all the others and but so yeah good money good job good car good family but always i used to think what this mustn't be just everything that makes me happy uh, in life. And uh, I used to feel like uh, there's some unsolved 
issue or some, I haven't really found any answer for this important uh, question in life, like where, where did I come from originally? Or where will I go after I die? You know, then why do I live this life? Because anyway, we all die, then what is the meaning? So this kind of question I always had, even before I met this Buddhist teaching, but I couldn't find any answer uh, so far, I mean, at that time. So when I uh, just heard about this teaching, that really uh, struck my mind very strongly. So at the moment I heard that uh, I was actually looking for this teaching and uh, what's the path i now i'm quite <laughs> what can i say uh, i can kind of follow situations but at that time i was young and i think my character was uh zero or everything <laughs> Not, <laughs> nothing or everything i i used to go with that you know whatever i do so okay to achieve, you know, this whole goal of this teaching, becoming monk must be the everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, it, it wasn't very difficult for me to make a decision at the moment. Uh, probably uh, more difficult later uh, when I had to deal with my family and uh even after I became monk, you know, when I start to sing some different, um, some different like uh, part of this uh, temple life, uh, because I wasn't so uh, mature and uh, uh, very well experienced practitioner yet. I think later was more difficult, but at the moment I was making decision to become monk wasn't very difficult for me at the time. And I just, for me, whenever I hear that, you know, I've, I've talked to a few monks about this and I guess I'm just so attached to the life of a, a householder mm. <laughs> that when you say it's like not difficult, it's, I mean, you are making a decision to, to not have a wife or a husband or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, like you've, you've, you, and you are going to have to tell that to your family. And, um, and so I'm just, it's always to me so interesting that the spiritual pursuit or this, you know, what is this is just so much more compelling, so much more interesting than having a family. Yeah, actually, that was one of the uh, biggest issues I had to deal still when I was making decision. So I thought about, okay, so, I mean, I think my uh, intention and the idea about becoming monastic was probably <laughs> purer than now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when, I, <laughs> when I decided to become monk, okay, I thought, I cannot have sex, I cannot have family, I cannot have money, I cannot have this or that. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a huge actually deal. 
But still, I thought, not just thought, I would become monk. I had just uh, some kind of uh, intuition, or I don't know what the English word. Like, uh, but still, my path is in this monastic life. And the most important thing, and many things is so important in life, as you said, household. You know, so why Buddha taught about the three major desire uh, for the human being, food, sex, sleep. Exactly. I had to deal with that huge, you know, uh, major uh, uh, matters for the human being. But I thought I already struggled a lot with the three of them, these three desires. And then as I already told you, I mean, these desires, some elements, usually people think that satisfy you or make you happy or unhappy. So, right. So, uh, I have, I had been already struggling with that. And then, but always I thought that this must not be the everything for life. That's why I had this, uh, some suffering. And then, as I told you, at the moment, at the time that I heard, heard this teaching, then, ah, oh, this is what I had been looking for, waiting for. So, which means that was more important. That had, uh, you know, if there's a scale, you put this, uh, this household desired things and the, the other side, you put this, you know, some the, the primary point, whatever we can say, true nature. For me, that was heavier. So I went with that. Now, I was reading an article that you just published in Primary Point, and I, I wanted to read a little passage because I one, it's quite funny, <laughs> okay. but, but also it's, it's quite good. Um, so you, you're, you're just about to go into a hundred day solo retreat mm-hmm. and you say, why did I decide to do a hundred day <laughs> solo retreat? Yeah. Yeah. If I ask myself again, initially the reason was not so clear. Mm. I'm already in my late forties. I've been living a monk's life for 23 years. I gained some weight and I got a belly, but more than that, I felt my mind also become overweight. Mm. When I had to teach, sometimes I had to face some part of myself that lacked a power of conviction, and that was most uncomfortable. Mm. That's all I, true, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, at the time, at the time, that's all true. <laughs> yeah. So what... What and I first of all, I totally get that mm. that line, right? Where people are looking to you to be a sort of authority, mm. but maybe you've actually grown a little soft as mm. well over the years. Mm-hmm. And so it's really good, like going back and doing a hundred day solo retreat is well, yeah. that's quite honing. Yeah. So, but I wonder, can you say a little bit about the lack, the the power of conviction or? Mm. Yeah, it's it's just uh, um, whenever I give, we say in school Dharma talk. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I give Kongan interview. Mm -hmm. So uh, sometimes 
especially like when we talk about really, for example, okay, what is going to be like, you know, after I die? And then uh, we have an answer. But for some reason, sometimes I think, you know, I have no idea but why I'm saying this and that. And uh, yeah, just simply uh, that can be just one example. So, uh, or can you fly, you know, we talk about this uh, Zen circle, 0, 90, 180, 270, you know, you heard about this, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people ask me, have you so attained this 270? Yeah. (laughs) Can you actually (laughs) literally fly? (laughs) Or I cannot. (laughs) Yeah. But I still talk about this, you know, theory. Yeah. So those things, you know, make me uh, uncomfortable after the talk. And, uh, yeah, those, that can be an example that pops up in my mind. Yeah, the 270, everybody's always intrigued by 270. <laughs> yes. The, the stone girl crying. Yeah. and uh, uh, Yeah, that's the why the I wrote. The sea. Yeah, yeah. Although, uh, if you really digest it, uh, you shouldn't be this attached to the word. Right. So, yeah, when we are clear, we can say that. But I think uh, uh, before I went to solar retreat, for some reason, uh, as I wrote, my mind was kind of overweight. Maybe it's because I have been doing too much uh, working, like office stuff, and then also giving talk without any, maybe some sincere, uh, how can I say, sincere, like, uh, preparation uh so that's how i felt before i be, uh, went to the solar retreat i wrote that mm-hmm. and so when you came back from the solo retreat what or what uh, what appeared in the solo retreat for you what appeared or well, is this no, is no, this I, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what appeared in front of you <laughs> <laughs> oh, why not? Actually, that must be the best answer. Seriously, right. but what appeared? I okay, so I can just put it this way. I felt I have done my homework. Mm. That's what I felt. So I felt really something. I was really I felt relieved from something. Mm. It looks like you know when I was primed school kid you got some homework from teacher and you won't really play with your ch- like a friend but you have a homework and you have to get it done today because uh, tomorrow the teacher will check it so i just uh, get it done in an hour and then just go play with my friend so when I finished my solo retreat, I had that kind of feeling, oh, I get my homework done. Mm. Mm. So I hope that uh, tells you, you know, how, what appeared, what appeared I mean, that kind of feeling. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, now, no matter what comes in my life, I don't mean that that's good. That can be bad, but should it be okay? Right. There's a passage in one of the uh, one of your essays online, and it really struck me because, of course, you know, right now here in the United States, but I think also the whole world is is watching. Uh, you know, we're we're had this the murder of this man George Floyd, and so there are all of these protests in the streets, mm-hmm. right over the his murder, and, and not just his murder, but all of the murders before him. Mm. Um, and I was really struck by this passage. It's a, I, th- I think it's between you and Zen Master Sung San. And he is saying to you, he says, human life has no meaning. Mm. And you, you respond saying, each word hit my mind. Mm-hmm. That was true. Human life has no meaning. That's what led me to cut off my hair and take this path, which means, you know, become a monk. Mm-hmm. Then Zen Master Sung San said, this no meaning is very important. It has, the very, it has a very important meaning. Hmm. If you attain this meaning, you will understand this no meaning is the most important thing in a human's life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not actually trying to make the, 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 mm-hmm. this episode political, but like we're here wrestling with this great question of like, meaning and i'm just wondering if if you have something to say about that Mm. the first i'm what you said like i hopefully uh kind of concerned what's happening now there so and also what you read from my uh uh, i think article i mean what uh, zemme sunsan said at the time like this uh you uh, look at your life, actually, look back at your life. Life has no meaning, but this no meaning is very important. That still actually hits my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, we can say that means actually no matter what we try to achieve in life, you might face this feeling of this emptiness. Life has no meaning, no matter how much you make many money or no matter how famous you become, how hard you practice, you may feel this uh, kind of emptiness, nothingness, which is not bad. So what's important after then? I think uh, this can perhaps, I hope, applied to this situation now happening there. Everyone's life is important. But again, in Buddhist teaching, the the prospect of this Buddhist teaching, no matter how important it is, that originally is empty. And then the true importance appear. So why people fight? Why people like uh, limit someone's life and uh, 
Yeah, why? I think that's very important. Why you fight for that side or this side? Finding that answer is, I think, most important. Of course, when you get some clarity with that kind of insight, and then some maybe some action up here. If you are very clear with that, that means actually you can be responsible for the follow-up, for the you know consequence. Then people will have to just do it. But otherwise, if you are still very clear with actually this nothingness, the the primary point that the life is ordinarily empty, so that if you are not clear with that, and that means actually uh, your action wouldn't be clear yet, and the consequence will really confuse you, which means you might not be able to be responsible yet for about what's going to happen if you make something for this situation. Then there will be more suffering. So my answer can be a little abstract, but uh, this is what I think uh, uh, Buddhist teaching try to tell people, I mean, in my view. So uh, I hope, you know, just everyone, um, the intention, what they have when they make action is, I think, great. But also, I think it's very important for them to see uh, if they are very clear with what they are doing. And uh, what's the uh, most important meaning in life? Yeah, that's, that's something I can uh, share for now. Uh, I still have this uh, uh, face that uh, practice we are doing, I don't know who's the audience of this talk, but uh, I'm just saying basically who are uh, practicing meditation uh, or some any kind of spiritual uh, practice, this practice itself will uh, lead to world peace. I had still this uh, some strong faith in it. So if you just continue it, no matter what happens, good happens or bad happens, it really doesn't matter. Uh, your own practice will uh, really help in some way uh, this world. So that's all. I think that's my last word for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sit, Breathe, Bow. I hope you found the conversation with Hey Tongsanim encouraging and helpful for your practice. You can find out more by visiting the website for Musangsa Temple at musangsa.org, and I'll include a link to it in the show notes. A special thanks to our sponsor, the Quanam Online Sangha. Listeners of Sit, Breathe, Bow are able to try a month of the Zen study group for only $7 when using the promo code SBB. 
The study group offers a close reading of the sutras and scriptures most important to the Zen tradition. To find out more, visit quantumzenonline.org slash studygroup, and don't forget to use the promo code SBB when you check out. And please consider subscribing and leaving a review of this podcast. It helps introduce us to new listeners. I am your host, Ian White-Marr, and I hope you'll join me again next week. <laughs>